Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. I can get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll. And on with the show. Hello and welcome to Short Bus Debate Club. We're still talking about drugs. The next time you do a three, two, one, just for the record, don't fucking sit there and look at me for like four seconds after you go three, two. Well, one. dude, I didn't have the cursor over the fucking record button, uh-huh. so I went three, two, one, and then <laughs> to look down and find the record oh, button. So there was an actual practical difficulty. Yeah. So okay, so we learned something. The next time you do a countdown, you have to put the cursor over the play record. That, that is correct. And for those of you that don't know, that asshole that was just talking, well, that could have been me. But the one that was talking right prior was Darren. Um, and I'm Brian Courtney. And drugs is the topic, yeah? Well, drugs and popular culture in like movies and uh, yeah, and and uh, we'll, we'll do that for an hour-ish and then we'll Figure out peel off else. into some other, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we just kind of we can Take maybe it continue it. I, I don't know because we got to figure something out. Yeah, we want we want to keep you guys peeled to the peeled to the speakers. Because people were fucking dropping off a little bit on the the entertainment ones um, when we were just giving. We're our... trying to appeal to what you all want. So if you fucking communicated with us a little more, since there were eighty of you that downloaded it this week, we would love that. That was that was our biggest uh, download on Thursday. We That's really huge. appreciate that. Yeah. So. Um, we, we are all about communication. That's why we sit here and talk for fucking hours on end. So, um, we would really like for this conversation to be more than two ways, please, please more than two ways. Yeah. Just let us know what the fuck we're saying. If you like it, don't like it, you know, or fuck, maybe you don't speak English and you're listening to it in the Philippines trying to learn English. Yeah. Whoever. Yeah. Shout out to the fucking Filipino. Thank you. We love you. If you have anything to say that you want us to speak about, or maybe you would want to comment on what it is that we're doing, we, we'll find a way to hook up and put you on the show. I don't know. She's between 18 and 23. She's a fucking adult. Oh, no, no. That isn't what I was saying. I'm just saying. I don't want to put anybody in a bad spot, too. I know that sometimes your presidents are very good, and sometimes your presidents are not very good, and they tend to purge motherfuckers down there. And I'm not making a joke. I, 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 know, I know how things go down there sometimes, so... Not like firsthand, but I mean, I read about it and shit, and it doesn't look very good sometimes. Well, they got that militia group. What what are they called? The Tigers? Something Tigers? I have to look it up. But you know what I'm talking I about. Know what I know what you're talking about. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about drug movies and or entertainment books, whatever. I don't know. I, I know if we thought about books... The only one that really pops into my head is Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Well, kind of shit. Ask Alice, you know. I'm not a huge fan of Hunter S. Thompson, though. Dude, he was an interesting fella. He was. And you he know? held he held Liesel a lot. Dude, he got her out of fucking prison. And yeah. and, and to boot, he, he did as much for um, thinking about the problems of journalism during his time period as anybody else did. I mean, because he was on the fucking the trail with uh, candidates for a while, and just making just a shit ton of fun of like all the stupid conversations that they had. And I mean, Hunter had some 
He had some things to say, you know? Well, he should make fun of most of them. But back then, what was it? That that was like Jimmy Carter and shit, right? Was, even before that. I think that he started doing it in the late 60s, to be okay. perfectly honest with you. So and the, He did his uh, book on uh, Hell's Angels. So. Well, and that would relate to drugs, drugs too. As well, yeah. yeah. Well, dude, he there's no doubt. Hunter S. Thompson, you know, I mean, there's a reason why you can't really fault Johnny Depp entirely for all the shit that happened in that stupid fucking, uh, uh, the 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 movie. No, not the movie. The well, I know he played Hunter. He played the Hunter S. Thompson character, but. Uh, he just went through that trial with his ex-wife and all oh, the, the fucking stupid aqua bitch. Yeah, the aqua bitch. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what her fucking name Amber is. Hurst. Amber Hurst. Amber Hurst. Hurst. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, hot as hell, but what a cunt. Well, they, I mean, obviously it was it was pretty foolish, like the way that it all played out. But I think that Hunter S. Thompson had a little bit, and I'm not Johnny Depp. You have, you're responsible for your parting. I know that you've never even tried to push it on anybody else. I know who you're. You're you. You know, you played Jack Sparrow for a reason. Well, because you're he, a fucking mess. That's dude. what he, because he had so much juice with Disney, because uh-huh. of all of the pirates movies, mm-hmm. he got her the fucking Aqua Bitch job. Oh, he's the one that, that got her in on that. Yeah, nobody else. The Caribbean I, shit. I, I, this is all Here's from the saying. dude. I heard this Here's from yeah. the guy at Lazy J's. He was telling me. <laughs> Give a shout out to the guys at Lazy J's. They don't give me a discount even, dude. All you got to do is ask. Really? Yeah. But, and tell them you're a regular customer. They'll give you 15% The off. motherfucker knows that I've come in there several times. Just tell him. He them. was so fucking stoned when I went in there this morning, dude. He was like fucking comatose, dude. He's like. Was it the big what? dude with yeah, the, the beard? Yeah, the red hair. Yeah. Oh no, 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 not the red hair. No, the, not the dark, not the dark, the dark. The yeah. dark beard guy is the one that told me about all of it because he was what? like, "Fuck that bitch," and he was talking about how Johnny Depp got her the job. I and... met him today for the first time. I never seen him in there before. It's always the big, the bigger guy that I've been seeing. In tell, the past. just tell him dipshit. either way. I mean, sorry, say, dude, you're a dipshit. You know, I come in all the time. Had 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 you given me a discount, I would have come in more. Because the paradise. There's there's two buddy. of them. There's two discounts. One, they'll give you a discount if you've never tried something. Well, they should have given that to me then. I I was like, what is this thing? You know, and they're like, and I already knew because you had told me what it was. But he's like, oh, this is that, that's supposed to be the most potent one. I said, let me get a couple of those. And two, they'll give you a discount if you're a regular customer. You know, he did give me a discount. He gave them to me for $25 a piece instead of $26 a piece. What a fucking cockbag. All right, enough about Lazy J's. By the way, Lazy J's is a fucking smoke shop on Alameda. Um, And now I'm going to go tell them that they should pay us. Yeah, they should pay us too. But you got to go see Brian (laughs) and Mom and buy some tobacco because he's at least good to me, you know? He's very good to me. Those people down there are very good to me. I like Lazy J's because it's close. It, and is, I'm, it is very close. But I'm, I go see the Freakies kids all the time. You know, I'm Lazy B. You want to know something funny about Freakies? Is I literally give cuddles to the girls behind the counter, and they like hold him for a minute, and like, like at first he was all shaky, but like he knows all of them now. This one like wrapped him up in her fucking pashmina the other day. By the way, Cuddles is his dog. Yeah, he's he's a. Five and a half pound Maltese, and uh, he's 14 years old, and he's trying to eat my fucking tortilla right now. 
I told you. I don't think he'd go for the tortilla. I thought he'd need a little bit of that red beans and rice on there. All right, let's talk about fucking. Yeah, so um, sorry about the detour on the aqua bitch and everything, but it, it was the dude at Lazy Jays because he laid into it, and I couldn't walk out the door because every time I tried, he, he went back into it. So. so he was irritated by the fact that she got so shitty with him because he's the one that gave her the end to that big fucking role in the first place. Right. She's kind of an ungrateful individual. She's a hua. A hua. I, I was trying to be nominally PC. I, I apologize. Well, I called her really account like that. 10 minutes ago. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so. so then we went. So like one of the movies that I watched, one of the documentaries I watched was, oh, oh, um, let's see, oh, or not Opium, uh, Heroin on With, Cape Cod, yeah. right? Which is made in 2015. The Ambulance Driver? Is that the one? No, it was not about an ambulance driver. It was just about like five or six kids that were from Cape Cod. They were all kids, white fucking kids from middle class backgrounds, uh, middle upper middle class backgrounds. I mean, it has to be upper middle class backgrounds because their fucking parents kept putting them into fucking. Well, and they lived on Cape Cod. Yeah, you got you can't be. Yeah, you, those those are million dollar homes. I mean, if with. if you work in Cape Cod, that's one thing. You take the bus there. If you live in Cape Cod, I don't think you're even lower middle class, probably. That's what I said, yeah. upper, upper middle, probably. Yeah. So, and well, these kids at all, so they'd be going into a, so the way that I thought about the movies, just before I go into the Cape Cod thing for a second, at least the way that I framed it, as much shit as I gave you for your category thing earlier, all right? <laughs> There's pop culture movies or shows like, like, Dazed and Confused was that kind of romanticize or make them look, make drugs look appealing on some level or another in different ways. And then there's the ones that make it look like it's a fucking horror story. So, yeah. So, but, but, but even the ones that like, like we start, I was started watching Euphoria. You told me that you've gotten through it, right? But I can't tell whether or not that one is a horror story or trying to make it look good. It's very I, I weird. think it's both. Yeah. So if you guys haven't noticed, I'm a fan of drugs and not because I do all of the drugs. But in Euphoria, it seems like they do all of the drugs. As, as like fucking teenagers, like children. Coke, fentanyl, heroin, weird fucking precursors that haven't become illegal yet. Yeah, like like when he when he says that he means so like you got something like MDMA and like like he was we were talking earlier like you have a chemist and MDMA has like these multiple branches that come out of it they have these chemical components and you like leave this one branch off or you add something to this specific branch so right. that it's no longer illegal because what makes a drug technically illegal is that it has this chemical compound uh signature that that ties to it. LSD is a specific thing. MDMA is a specific thing, heroin is a specific thing, blah, 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 blah. Um, there are these spaces, and in these spaces, go. they end up in places like head shops, right, where you can buy. Or sometimes gas stations. Gas stations have them. Yeah, it's very fucking weird. They have these MDMA substitutes or these LSD substitutes, and they're not illegal. They're, and these kids... I had a niece who... But the ones that are really good, like the raver-type uh-huh. ones, mm-hmm. are not sold at gas stations no. or head shops. You've got to buy them from... Black market. A, a drug dealer. Yeah. Which is weird, because at that point, technically, they're legal, because they haven't met that 
But that's what's awesome about it, right? Is because they're selling something that's legal. They know that it's ultimately going to become illegal, but they don't want it to hit the popular. They want it to be self-contained in these spaces where the people that are consuming them are doing them. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, if you look at the way that drug culture has evolved um, into these spaces of very spaces of very peculiar consciousness, it's kind of it's fascinating. Like, and, and it's not something that it's so covert. Like, you're never going to be able to. You can only understand it through word of mouth or through these different spaces that you kind of get glimpses of them. Maybe for certain drugs, but I think a lot of it has become so fucking mainstream. Like you're talking, and you haven't gone through the whole Cape Cod thing, but. Uh-huh. You know, you're talking about these kids that are upper middle class. Well, I'm willing to bet, if if I had to, that the fucking minivan mom is probably doing oxycodone, and the kids started off that way. Like, they were stealing her oxy, and this that's is speculation. And that's, and that's only one instance. Like, in these kids that were in Cape Cod, in all instances, they, it, just, it just seemed to be like what was happening. There was a girl who... Um, she went through a windshield. Her face got lacerated. She had like 250 fucking. They showed the picture. She had like 250 stitches on her face, and they gave her um, oxy on and they gave her uh, my personal favorite, um, the uh, Dilaudid. Dilaudid. Yes, they gave her Dilaudid. So, <laughs> and uh, I mean, like if that's how you get introduced, Dilaudid's very heavy. Dilaudid's just like it, literally like like. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I think that it's 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 tougher to walk away from than morphine is. And morphine a, is a tough one to walk away from, right? So, and- Are I, you asking me? Well, I mean, I, I'm just going out there that <laughs> when, I, when I had my, uh, my experiences with it, when I was, you know, uh, whatever, 15 years ago, that was something that I had a real taste for. I mean, and it was very difficult for me to walk away from when it was fucking there. But, and that was, so that was, so that, but there, there was a kid that was in a motorcycle accident there was a, a, a kid that uh, hurt himself really bad and in soccer. The kid that had a motorcycle accident had had a, a compound fracture in five different places in his leg. Ouch. I mean, he well, was on, all fucked up. On multiple occasions, or I should say in multiple documentaries, I have seen to where they're riding around with cops or ambulance drivers or somebody in this public service space, mm-hmm. right? And they're in one of these towns in fucking West Virginia or Eastern Pennsylvania or Eastern Michigan or, you know, somewhere up in the fucking Rust Belt. Ohio, yeah. Um, So they're riding around in these places and they're talking to them and they, they say, oh, well, so here's the main problem is that these people got in really bad accidents or they had a football injury or something along those lines where, you know, oxycodone or Vicodin or whatever was prescribed to them for so long. And then when they were done with that, they had nowhere else to go. So they ended up buying heroin. And like this one cop on this one documentary, he's driving down this road and it looks like just a residential road. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's some fairly nice houses. A lot, a lot of them are shitholes. It's a little bit run down. Uh-huh. But he's like, hookers stroll this fucking neighborhood all the time so that they can fuck somebody and then go the next street over and buy heroin yeah. or go 
you know, down the street a little more. Uh -huh. um, so I think that's kind of like the Cape Cod thing. There, so, I mean, okay, just in that con context specifically, um, there was uh, this young lady. Uh, at the end, her name was Marissa. She was 23 years old. Um, she had broken her leg or something like that in a soccer accident or something like playing soccer. Um, so, like... I broke my arm. Is she one of the Cape Cod girls? She's Cape Cod. Okay, she's a Cape Cod kid. So let me I, let me let me let me backtrack a little bit, right? And, and just like, so like one of the fundamental dangers of what's happening to these kids, um, I think, is that they don't know how to negotiate pain in like a meaningful way, right? So like I broke my arm twice when I was two, once when I was seven, once when I was nine. I broke it again when I was like twenty six or twenty seven years old or something like that, but. I never had surgery. There was no fucking painkillers. There was, you know, I remember like... Uh, Give him some Tylenol and let him rest. The second time I did it when I was two. So like I had my I had a cast on for three weeks. I had it off for three weeks. Like so that one time I was an idiot. I was like going on the back of a fucking couch, like pretending I was a tight. I literally remember being two years old and like this thought process being in my head. And I remember falling. I don't remember the impact because it fucking hurt. I broke my fucking arm on a marble floor. They took me to the fucking hospital. They said it, you know, and dude, when you're two years old, you heal like a motherfucker, dude. So like kids are fucking resilient. resilient. Yeah. Dude. Made of rubber. Resilient. So this is again, like how, why I question the way that they're doing this to kids that are like in their teenage years, especially, but uh, like pain's tough, you know, but sometimes, so I, I had the cast on for three weeks. I had it off for three weeks. I was standing in a room with my dad. I don't remember this one. My dad always tells me about it, and he laughs at me because he said I clearly had a very good imagination. I was standing on the top, and there was this uh, end, table, end table right next to the couch, and I thought I was Superman or something. I put my arms out, and I tried to dive over it like I could fucking fly or something like that. I did not fly. And uh, Really? I, <laughs> it's, it's hard to imagine, you know? <laughs> That I didn't. I did not have any superhero <laughs> capabilities. That's fucking nuts, dude. <laughs> so either way, I fucking they take me to the. So like I'm crying. You know they take me to the fucking doctor's office, and because uh, this was, doctors had X-rays like where I was at, they had an X-ray in the in the doctor's office. So, um, but I ran right over to the fucking machine. No, to the to the the place where the kids play, and they're like, oh. He's, he's fucking fine. There's nothing wrong with him. They take me in, they fucking give me an extra and a fucking broken arm, dude. Well, you know, and I'm not saying that maybe you're right. Maybe kids these days can't negotiate pain because they start getting dosed when they're young. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Well, scripts are something. Well, what I, what I was going to say, though, about broken bones and shit, like, so I've never had a broken bone, I don't think. You broke toes and shit like that, I'm sure. Yeah. My thumb, for yeah. sure. I when know. I break, I break my fingers in my sleep because I'm popping my knuckles. Really? Yeah, dude. Ow. That's going to fuck with your... That's really going to hurt. Well, look how dude. fucking twisted that yeah, one you, is, Yeah, you've already got, like, fucking osteo... What do they call that? Uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and you're not even fucking, like, 50 yet, bitch. Yeah, so... Self-inflicted rheumatoid arthritis. You're a dumb fuck. This one's twisted too. Yeah, that's Actually, because, that's, because it, that's because it healed wrong. I mean, that's that's the same thing that happened to that finger there. Well, I fucked it up this was pinky was my elevator pinky when your, I oh your elevator. <laughs> a lot of things, a lot of things in your life go back to that elevator. I think. 
I could think of. Oh, no, you know what? I have broken ribs before. Yeah, we talked about that the other day, yeah. actually. Floating ribs. Fights, yeah, whatever. Um, so you never broke bones, but you but learned, ribs. You learned some stuff about pain or something like that. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and ribs, they can't do shit for it. Yeah, and it fucks with your breathing. And it, it hurts when you laugh. It hurts if you <laughs> cough. It hurts if you sneeze. Fuck, if you sneeze, I mean, it could take you down. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> so but I've never broken my arms or legs or whatever. Um but what I was thinking when you were saying that like cuz you said well I just went straight to the play area uh-huh. and I don't know if this has shit to do with it and I'm not excusing the medical or pharmaceutical industries in any way shape sure. or form. Okay. But Maybe, just maybe, where you break shit has has more or less pain because of where it is compared to, say, your radial nerve or something like that. Um, so, you know, if it's closer over here to the radial nerve on the other side of the bicep, maybe you feel more pain and if I it's on my, that. I broke my right arm in four different places, you know. I mean, Dude, I, I, I I'm not trying to I fucking. Understand the, I understand that you're trying to be scientific about it, but I do think that there's just, in my estimation, a general tendency to try to fix things by giving people medicine. And I don't want to go into some of the other spaces that we'll end up making it to in later with regards to that. But by the time they, so where I was going to, I was going to get there quick. I wasn't going to do it in a normal Darren way, right? But uh, the last time that I did it, it was when I did the flip off the bike and I tore my labrum and I you broke my You fucked yourself wrist. up, dude. That was the first time that I was ever given pain medication. Because that's when I always fucked with you, like when I was talking to Erica and uh, Roxanne. Was that when you were saying that? When I, I was like, what did you give myself just... a hand hump or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> because my, cause my right, when I, when I tore my labrum, they didn't want me to move my fucking right arm for like three months. So it was like glued up against my, my chest in, in this fucking cast. And so Brian said, with the, with the cast on, with it stuck like that, I could give myself a hand hump. Yeah, he just had to throw it up on the table. and <laughs> It was a pretty awesome cast. I had a red and black cast, so I was like uh, representing, so, so, to, so to speak, you know. But either way, so like they gave me, it's so funny. So he gave me like 30 Percocets, and they gave me ones that were uh, crushable. Like fives. No, oh, no. They gave me, okay. they gave me no Tylenol. Crushable, crushables, yeah. And, uh, but I didn't know what that meant at that point in time. So, um, after about a month, my shoulder was still Silly rabbit. And Crushables just, are for kids. <laughs> I had just gotten through the first batch of them and I'm like, dude, you need to get, he's like, he's like, I don't want to give you anymore. I'm like, dude, I have a broken fucking wrist and a torn fucking labrum and I can't move. And I try to sleep at night. I said, I don't fucking sleep. I said, this is the only way that I even fall asleep at all is when I take a little bit of that painkiller. I said, am I break them in half? I said, just give me a fucking small prescription so that I can do what I need to hear. So he, he actually, he could tell that I was not bullshitting and I wasn't bullshitting him. I really didn't realize when it was 2003 when it happened, I did not realize like how, like all of the different things that developed out of this. So finally, well, that's when they started to crack down on everything was about 03, 04, right? So the second one though was, was a higher dose. I think there were 15s. And we ended up going to, I, and I didn't barely take any of them. I like, I got out of the cast, and uh, one of Nicole's friends 
who I will not. He's a really good guy, though. I really think a very decent guy, good writer. He, he, uh, I brought him up, and he said, he said, so they gave you this, you know. He says, he says, you know, my sister's a heroin addict, and uh, she goes dumpster diving in Portland every night, and this and that, and she's had a bunch of these problems, and blah 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 blah. She said, I, he said, I can't believe that they gave you those. He said because those you can crush and snort. I was like, crush and snort. I was like, I don't even know what the fuck you mean, you know. So ultimately, I took them up to Nicole's that following weekend. We're all drinking, and we crushed and snorted, you know, 10 or 15 of them, and I realized what it was that he was talking about at that point in time. They really didn't start cracking down until probably 10. Until? 2010. 2010. Yeah, this was way, this was really early But on. the, yeah. I've never, and I've had them, uh-huh. but I never do the crush and snort because I want the longer-lasting and that that's better for you anyway. That made sense. But in, again, I was a dumb shit. No, know? no, no. I wasn't criticizing you. I mean, a buzz is a buzz. The, one of the main reasons that I like pills is because I don't have to make as much effort as I do with drinking. You know, I and maybe it's because of my fucking amazing Irish liver, but I have to drink a lot <laughs> to fucking get a buzz. Well, dude. But you have that. But there, you have some other uh, physiological difficulties when it comes to other things as well well my liver fucking burns everything dude yeah so but i mean you did that test uh, at the doctors where they they checked to see how quickly you burned off the pain medication and you burned it off four times faster than a normal person i metabolize shit like it's very crazy it's very these these are things that like uh people don't understand or think about and understand that anything we do now is all prescribed we don't we don't fuck around with anything that's not prescribed anymore okay so i i just want to circle back. back yeah okay so euphoria yeah. and and you and i were talking about this before we started recording yes and maybe this has something to do with what you were talking about i don't know but... like a nightmare and a... no what, like what? because we were talking about it because it is it, the show scared the shit out of me. Not because horrible shit not because of the drugs, but because of the weird rapes and the fact that these girls are fucking showing themselves on the internet and fucking putting fuck videos up to where everybody can see them. Well, and they're in high school. Just all of this mm-hmm. stuff. That scared the shit out of me. The drugs, I was okay with. Uh-huh. Well, we did a lot when we were young. Well, Although it I'm, sucks that I mean Zendaya's character, she she I mean that's how it sort of begins. Zendaya's character overdoses, and it's her coming out of uh, summer of rehab. Being in rehab. So, I mean, I didn't have. I mean, we well, that's not true. I mean, we had a few friends that died from overdoses when we were a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, uh-huh. like I said, that isn't what uh-huh. scared me. Uh-huh. It was all of the other stuff, the the rapes and the weird shit. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I mean. There were plenty of naked girls around, but they weren't posting fucking videos and uploading them to the internet. And and we conducted ourselves in a certain way when we were younger. And I'm not. It was about it was about consent. I'm not a prude. And yes, it was was about about consent. Like there was mutual enjoyment between the parties. Hopefully, I mean that's when even when you're young and you don't know that well back then. But you you at least look, kids, when you make your choices. You gotta start out caring about how the other person's enjoying things. It's important. There was one <laughs> one guy. I think you probably know him. He's a Rick, Ronald McDonald looking motherfucker. Um, lives down on Parker. Anyway, 
I I thought that I was going to have to fucking punch him one night because I thought he was about to rape some girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's not, that's not, yeah, that's not, and yeah, and he should have. And still, he should have. Gotten punched? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody, um, yeah. But that's, that's what's fucked <laughs> up about that show. But I mean, at least on some level, like it's being addressed, but still like that's that whole thing, like where you're. You're like watching it, you know, like the, the the voyeuristic like quality of it. That's almost it's almost like porn at that point in time, and that really fucks me up. Well, it wasn't porn for me, but I got like a sick feeling during no, the mean, entire show. I don't mean that. I mean in the show. Oh, no, in the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But so you and I were talking before we started recording, uh-huh. and it showed the girl when she was younger, and she's like counting these fucking window panes, and her mom keeps interrupting her. And she starts fucking crying. And I don't know how old she is, like six or yeah. fucking seven. Yeah. She's uh-huh. young. Uh-huh. So the parents take her to the doctor, and the doctor says, oh, well, she's got OCD, and she's probably got depression, and she's got all of this other shit. So the next scene, it shows the mom fucking counting out all of these drugs every day. And she's for like... A child. Yeah, for a, for a fucking nine-year-old. And she goes... Well, you know, there are lots of people that have had the same feelings that you're having right now. And she goes, like, who? And she said, Vincent Van Gogh, (laughs) Sylvia Plath. (laughs) And she starts naming all of these people that fucking off themselves. Um. So, but what I was getting at is. (laughs) That's a hell of a thing to say to your daughter. You're a genius who's going to kill yourself. Right. Um, so take these pills and you'll feel better. So all of this time, again, the government lies to us constantly. But from the time I can remember, probably back Nancy Reagan, D.A.R.E., they were telling us weed is a gateway drug. Yeah. And it leads to cocaine, it leads to heroin, it leads to all of this other shit. This is a really important point, so you all need to listen. Think about, think about what Brian's about to say. I think, and I don't know for sure, I, I don't have any data, but when they give all of these kids shit that shuts off their imagination, their ability to fucking count window panes, any of the stuff, their emotions. If you give a child an antipsychotic at like nine years old, then they're going to become uh, lethargic, they're going to become... Uh, they're not going to be there. And There's all s- kinds of weird things that are going to happen if it's Prozac, <laughs> Paxol, Zoloft, antipsychotics, any of these families of, of drugs. That well, we've been and she, they were giving her Xanax and Xanax. Valium and yeah, uh, um, tranquilizers. What's the other, what's the other uh, Adderall. Adderall. And what's the other one? Uh, Ritalin. Ritalin. They're all these fucking, you know, that we don't know what the midterm, the short term. We don't even, we know a little bit more. Like you, we know a little bit more now, but we really don't know what the, I don't the consequences are. And certainly, when you're giving a child a cocktail of various different varieties of, uh, there, I was, I was, I was watching. Uh, there's this goofy new show on. Uh, I guess it applies to drugs, right? There's this goofy new show on Netflix. It's uh, because I watch Grey's Anatomy with my daughter. Sometimes I like to watch the way that new doctor shows deal with questions like. Uh, um, Health insurance and shit like that. Is it called New Amsterdam? Yes, I, I started watch. I watched a couple episodes of New Amsterdam. And there's this kid in the second episode who uh, uh, 
was put on all these crazy medicines when he was young um, and he's having a hard time concentrating uh, like he's he's wet in the bed like all these things are happening um, and when they start to pull apart all of these different medicines that they're giving him he's starting to wet the bed because one of the uh, the the medicines is giving a sort of like an early onset like of diabetes you know which is fucking with his kidneys and shit like that and there's all these things and he said uh, th- so he had this really violent act in school where he just beat the fucking shit and I mean when I say he beat the fucking shit out of this kid if they didn't pull him off he's probably gonna kill the kid right um, and they they're like they asked him why he did it but he was still all like so they're like, we need to get all these medicines out of him and ask him the question so we can at least see if he can give us an explanation. So they literally fucking go and put him on like a detox. They detox him. They put him on like with a blood cleaning machine, right? So they do that and uh, they talk to him and they find out that uh, his dad had recently died um, because of an incident that had occurred. The kid felt like he was responsible for it. Um, because his dad had a heart condition and he forgot something in his house, Legos, because they went and played Legos at the park and his dad went back to the house to get the Legos Legos, and he ha- he went up five flights of stairs and he fucking had a heart attack, right? So um, there was a kid at school. I know this is hard to imagine and he was in middle school, like sixth grade and this kid was telling him that it was his fault that his dad died and he was a fucking murderer and that he was a piece of shit just like his dad was a piece of shit. So uh, if your father just died and you're 10 or 11 years old and somebody says something like that to you, I don't know where if any of you like were ever 10 or 11 years old. I fought more in middle school than I did. I don't know if I would have even needed to be on drugs in order to beat the. He wasn't on drugs. They put him on drugs because of him beating those people that that kid up so bad. They blamed it on these conditions that they said that he had like like heavy, weird shit. But it just turned out that he was a kid that was had these psychological act, things that happened to him that were real in real life, and he needed to process them. And he felt guilty for a ton of things, so he had never been allowed to process like this misplaced guilt that he was feeling for something that he wasn't responsible for in the first place. Well, you know, it's it's not just kids, and Euphoria is a good show, but I mean, it like someone I know really fucking well and love to death you know she's on a ton of fucking drugs and one time i think it was 97 or 98 Mm -hmm. she almost fucking died they had to take her to the hospital and it turned out that they were giving her too much of this and not enough of that because these guys these doctors for the most part just say okay and I, I don't want to sound totally fucking cynical because I think some doctors do actually care. Yeah, and that some of them actually use some of these drugs to make somebody to better. Good. Yeah. But this particular doctor was just writing a script, and I'm guessing it's because there's kickbacks, there's lunches, there's vacations, there's all of this shit that pharmaceutical companies do to entice you to write scripts. Right, prescribe them stuff, yeah. And that was definitely happening with the oxy stuff. The, the more stuff. the more drugs you push, the more stuff you get in return. Mm-hmm. Candy, lunches, all of whatever. A trip to uh, Miami to go play golf or, you know, yeah. people or whatever. 
Um, so she almost died because they prescribed the wrong shit in the wrong dosage. And again, so she was an adult. Maybe that's not directly applicable to euphoria, but I really think that they're shutting off a lot of these kids. And don't get me wrong, some of them are going to fall through the cracks and be like me, where you just fucking self-medicate because you're trying to fill some fucking hole that you can't figure out where it came from. There's this, like, I just want to be clear about what it is that, that Brian is suggesting and, and what we're asking here, right? So, like, the, the thing that is being problematized is that, like, so the the one that the one that was about the cape cod one right at the beginning of that so it was made in 2015 so this is literally what they posited at the minute and what they say is partly true but it's not the whole picture right they're like after the decriminalization of marijuana in the united states over the course of the last half decade uh the mexican uh cartels have pushed tons and tons of heroin up in the United States because they're not making as much money off of weed, right? So there may be a measure of truth to that, but you're making an argument that you literally have no, you have very little concrete evidence, you know, and you're extrapolating a very concrete outcome from it. I mean, it's bad, like we're obviously, the things that Brian and I are saying are rooted in like a very anecdotal expression of what it is that we're trying to understand. But it's one thing to say something anecdotally and try to say, well, is there a tendency that's behind this that might tell us something about the bigger systemic thing? But we're not saying uh, ultimately all of the heroin problems in the United States are because of the fact that they're decriminalizing marijuana. That is a really, really oversimplified way of thinking about a situation that has many, many more factors that are affecting an outcome. But just, just to be clear, the point that I'm to, to, to circle back in in that moment, right? Marijuana is always the thing, and alcohol and cigarettes are always the things that are identified as the gateway drugs. Like Brian, when he asked the question, if you're giving children these medicines that are messing with their brain chemistry before they ever even think about touching a cigarette or, or hit touching puberty, a, dude. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you you t- people want to talk so much shit about. Uh, giving uh, uh, puberty suppressant stuff, and 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 I I'm not I'm not for that either. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is is that if you're going to say that you shouldn't be giving children the ability to transition unless there's a clear indication that that's something that is appropriate and well thought out and something that like you know that that people have put real thought into. Um, if you're saying that, then you should probably ask whether or not it's appropriate to be giving, you know, clonopin to fucking children, whether it's appropriate to give fucking uh, Xanax or Adderall or Ritalin or Prozac or Zoloft or Wellbutrin or any of these other fucking drugs that we have become like literally we, we took these children when I was tutoring in Cherokee public schools. I have to think, I, I believe that 80% of the students that I was working with during that time period were on some sort of a, you know, a mind-altering substance that was prescribed to them by a psychiatrist. What, what do you think is going to happen to those kids? They're, they're not going to know how to feel. They're not going to know how to um, interact. They're not going to know, they, their mind has been a chemistry experiment, so they're, they're going to start fucking, some of them are, I would really be curious to see if there's a correlation between drug abuse right now and the activities that some of those kids were being subjected to when they were young. 
I would too, and but I think I would really like to see, you know, whether or not, because I think some of these kids are just going to be zombies the rest of their lives. Well, no matter what, it's this is not uh, this is not something that can be. I mean, they they were a chemistry experiment that they're going to have to deal with the consequences of it because by the time we figured out socially what the consequences of those things are, the the damage is way way beyond done. We're so far past the point where I mean, you know, maybe the fact that uh, the the suicide rates right now uh, for men uh, just under the age of fifteen are fifty are higher than they've ever been, and and young women are going up like sky high too recent like i mean the guys were noticeable because of all the stuff that was happening with it with the oxys and stuff but uh and because it was in the media right but people are fucking killing themselves left and right and maybe there's something going on behind what it is that you were pointing out with regards to that yeah and and i don't know everything that i say is pretty much speculation unless i you know back it up with some fucking data but it's worth it's at least worth examining. It's something we should be thinking about. I I think so, especially, and again, you know, the the pharmaceutical companies. When I talked about, I think it was the last episode where I was talking about, you know, how come these drugs don't work on me? And the doctor said, "Dude, it's it's not you. It's you know, on the low end, forty percent." of the fucking people it, it works on and maybe on the high end it's like 60 percent oh, you know what when i was in school there was a word for that oh it was failure <laughs> that's a fucking <laughs> f if you're fucking selling something and less than fucking 50 percent of the people are actually main, getting any success out of it and you're still fucking selling it as if it's something that you should be pushing on to people thinking making them think that there's going to be some sort of a success that's fucking jackass. It's I mean, that's some stupid shit. Fucking horrible, dude. And I had to tell him, I mean, I can't remember which one it was, whether it was Cymbalta or Savella. But one of them made me completely fucking retarded, like drooling on myself retarded. And the only reason I know that is because I just remember being at my apartment and one day you came over and said, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> And I don't, I don't even know if I responded, but I, I mean... Yeah, he was way more retarded than normal. <laughs> so, so I, I think that there's probably, you know, a connection, but I don't know for sure. And really, I think that they want to keep us all fucking doped up anyway, so... That's, that's probably true. Let's talk, okay, so like, can I... Let me go back to my categories for just a second, yeah. right? So the categories were the pop culture stuff, right? Uh, the second one is a, is the obvious thing, the one where you you look at it as like uh, like the, the the horrible like instances, like there was a beautiful boy, um, the one with the uh, the kid from uh, Dune, um, Basketball Diaries. Yeah, Basketball Diaries is another good one like that. And then of course like documentary train spotting. Train spotting is brutal like that. Um, and then the one that I brought up on uh, Thursday night, um, where she does the double dildo with the lady. Oh and, yeah, requiem for a requiem dream. for a dream. Oh, yeah. If you guys like honestly like much like um like beautiful boys like Be- beautiful boys not as physically brutal as requiem for a dream, but requiem for a dream. Uh, Ellen Burstyn's fucking uh, 
her portrayal of a meth, of a meth, uh, like a grandma meth head, which is, that's why you just got to watch it to see this old lady who just, she didn't know what she was taking and she just became a crazy fucking meth head. Um, her, she, I mean, she got nominated for an Academy Award, which doesn't always, we've talked about in the past how that doesn't always mean anything, but in this instance, she was fucking great in that fucking role. But I mean, it's a, it's a nightmare. So like, so you have the, the pop culture ones that can be, they can go either way, but like Dazed and Confused, where they make it look like, it's like it's humorous, it's funny. Half-baked. Half-baked, yeah. Oh, there's, and there's all kinds, I mean, uh, Up in Smoke, uh, all of the fucking Cheech and Chong things, except for your favorite fucking dumb the Cheech Corsican and Chong movie, Brothers. The Corsican Brothers. Um, so you have, you have those two, which are, which are like, big ones and then of course you have the ones that deal with the drug trade itself so you like traffic like you said blow uh goodfellas um well because he ends up becoming a, so okay now we can argue about what what whether it's a drug movie or it's not a drug, drug movie right but he ends up being a cokehead well and he does go to jail mm-hmm. or that's what he ends up be, rolling over yeah on them all for. that's why he narcs everybody off because he got busted uh-huh. for drugs did you like traffic yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty I liked uh, Benicio del Toro in that a lot. Well, he's a great actor, but I fucking dug what they did with the videography, man. Yeah, the way they did yeah, it was in different colors for all with the uh, weird like black and whites at some parts and some of it in, was that, when he's in Mexico. That was the Benicio del Toro stuff. Yeah. And then the blue stuff was the background when it was Michael Douglas dealing with his daughter and when he was the drug czar. But that one scared the shit out of me too on some level. Mm-hmm. Again, because, so the drugs don't bother me. And this goes back to the fear thing. Uh But that girl in high school, you know, the dude from that 70s show turns her on to fucking smoking heroin. She gets addicted. Next thing you know, she's fucking turning tricks so that she can get high. And that... Scares the piss out of me, dude. And it's not because I think if I start doing heroin, I'm going to turn tricks. It's because I hate seeing that little girl doing that shit. So the 23-year-old girl that I brought up from the one, I can't remember what her name was. that I'm going to remember her name because, um, well, I'll tell you in just a minute when I remember her name. Uh, Her name was Marissa. so, like, they have all these interviews with the kids in, in, in the show. And she's talking about how, like, she's offended because every time she goes to a family event, because everybody knows that she's a junkie, right? They're all covered, protecting their wallets or hiding their diamonds or, you know, they all think that she's, she's, she's like, fuck you. I'm not going to fucking rob you. I have, I have more self-respect than that. I get my own fucking money in my own fucking way. Um, but uh, she starts talking about how she gets her own money, right? She said, if I can work at a strip club, and then I turn tricks through people that I pick up at the strip club. And she says, I do all that. She says, I'd never steal from anybody else because I'm not going to hurt anybody directly for what it is that I'm doing. But I don't want to hurt no, myself. I, that's exactly what she said. Like, I, 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 like I've destroyed my self-respect, and I, I don't mind hurting myself because cause I'm the making, I'm the person that's making. So she's, like, oddly, like, like very like Catholic, you know, sort of like, uh, like Mother Teresa. I'm gonna become a prostitute because, because I'm responsible for the outcomes of my own situation. And of course, um, oh, and she talked a lot about like the um, the shame and uh, like the cycle of of like how uh, when you talk to your parents and they tell you how disappointed they are in you, and about how you have that shame and about how like 
that cycle, you like sort of get caught in that headspace. And I heard a lot of these kids talking about that and their inability to negotiate that because they keep having this, the parents keep projecting this, this, I, you know, you were such a good kid, you know, you, you had all this potential. Now you're fucking worthless and you're a fucking slummy fucking, you know, so they, they like, they just don't want to deal with it. So what ended up happening to Marissa? She overdosed at 23. So, I mean, like, I mean, she goes through that process of self-loathing, self-hating, doing those, those very self-hating things to herself. And then fucking she, and like the, the, the question that I always like enters my mind in those moments, which is something they deal like right at the beginning of euphoria with, um, is when a person gets into that headspace where they see themselves doing these things and they don't like what it is that they're seeing. Um, the, the, the escape act is a double escape act. It's an escape in the getting high, but it's also an escape in the sense that it gives you the opportunity to kill yourself so that you don't have to face up to all these other things that are, you know, you don't have to deal with how other people see you anymore or more important than that, how you see yourself, you know? Wow. Meaning that, that when you when you overdose, sometimes they're you know it's intentional. Right? No, I get it. I I understood what you were saying. I just I don't, I don't know, dude. Now I'm thinking about well, it doesn't... Zendaya said it right at the beginning. I mean, she said it as clear as day. And I mean, obviously that's not fucking. But like when I was listening to those kids talk, like when I would hear them talk about what their parents were saying to them and how they, it's, that was the same thing that the, the chef kid was saying in beautiful boy, you know, his, his dad, they had all these memories. And then where he fucking overdoses, like I said, is in that, uh, this Camp place that, that, that ties to their past and these great memories that they have as children and at him as a child and with his father, you know, so like, it, it, like poetic even in a way. You know, in a horrible... Well, it's way. extremely fucking poetic. The thing I can't figure out is whether or not he was trying to tell his dad to fuck off. I think you should watch the movie. Don't just watch the movie. Or whether or not he was trying to be connected to I him. honestly think when I watch the movie and I don't... Like, I, I haven't read the books, you know, because they... So it's about the... That, that movie specifically is, is about uh, a kid by the name of... Give me just two seconds here real quick. I will be right where on my notes. Uh, Nick Chef uh, is this kid, and it's a, it's based on a true story. He was a big meth head. Um, in the movie, like I said, Brian, they kind of fuck up the way they portray it in some respects in my est estimation. Like I said, I haven't read the two books he talks about, but he identifies himself as a meth head, but it seems to me like he graduates from you know, the the kids that you typically do as a teenager in high school, if you're a drug user as a high school, you know, where you smoke the weed, you drink, you smoke cigarettes, you do, you might do some coke or maybe like a little bit of meth, but like he goes crazy on meth and then he graduates to heroin. And it doesn't seem like when Nick Chef talks about his life that um, heroin has, was his big thing, but I'd have to go and read the books because ultimately I have to believe that when they show him dying in that bathroom when he when he overdoses and when he dies for that time period in the bathroom that that, that probably I'd, I'd assume that would be true you know but ultimately i don't understand that graduation like for me personally i never did coke mm -hmm. i never did meth because i was always about the shit that would knock you back uh -huh. right yeah I, 
I want I'm an otter too. Like I, I wanted to slow my brain down yeah, not, because it's just going all the fucking time. Yeah. <laughs> and I need I, I can't I can't fucking do it, dude. I mean I can't. Probably a good thing that you or I never did heroin. <laughs> Probably a good thing. Well, but no fentanyl, no heroin. But heroin's one of them that'll knock you back. That's what I'm saying. Right. Straight nod. I mean, yeah. Um, so the, the ones that, you know, speed you up, I'm, I, I don't want those. I want like the fucking benzodiazepines and (laughs) again, stuff that'll, and when I say take you down a peg or two, I don't mean. You don't want antipsychotics. You don't want something that's going to make you. Well, no, when I say take it down a peg or two, I don't mean you were fucking trying to insult my fucking intelligence and say, well, you're wrong, so I'm taking you down a peg or two. I'm saying (laughs) take it down a peg or two because I'm tired of that. Um, Maybe it it works both ways. You want to feel like you're floating on a cloud of titties. Yeah. That's another good drug movie. Dude, I... And Greg Ullman yeah. is so fucking awesome in that. He and he's only in like what, what, six I scenes, what's dude. It what's it called? Rush. Rush. Yes, that's right. Oh, and they're undercover cops. That's right. Yeah. So they're and narcs, they her, and they make her do the heroin there, and she's never done heroin before. But dude, they she, for cops, did. they did drugs. The entire fucking movie. Yeah. They did speed. They did weird shit. That one fucking weird guy. It's like. I keep everything in there at body temperature. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Matthew, what Matthew McConaughey was talking about when he was doing his undercover work in True Detective. Yeah. What did he, that was called something intensive undercover drug something or another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, high intensity. Uh, nah, it yeah. doesn't fucking matter. It means that they were doing lots and lots of drugs undercover. Yeah. So. But, dude, I I love that movie. And maybe that's not a drug movie either. Maybe that's an undercover cop movie. Was that Robin Wright as a kid? Who was with him? No, it wasn't. No, Robin it was, was name? Jason, Jennifer Jason Leigh. Oh, okay. Um, And Lost Boys guy, whatever his name Jason is. Jason Patrick. Yeah. yeah. And then Greg Allman. Yeah, Greg Allman. Yeah, and he didn't barely ever see was the coke dealer, but he didn't ever say nothing. No, he was only in five scenes, but the most memorable scene is at the end. So they had to both clean up because, you know, drug dealers would say that they were using drugs and they wanted to be able to, you know, take a piss test or whatever. So they cleaned they cleaned themselves up. And Jason Patrick actually put a fucking iron to his arm to get rid of the track marks. Um, but they went to court. Because they finally got this guy, and they had no fucking proof on him. They actually planted evidence and did all of this shit. But Greg Allman was there in court, and like, I don't know, the night before, two nights before the court date, somebody fucking stuck a shotgun through the window of this trailer where they were staying and rubbed it down her face. And then when Greg Ullman was in the fucking courtroom, he took two fingers and put it right above his eye and then ran it down his nose and down his face to the neck. 
Because, uh, oh yeah, and they shot Jason Patrick that night too, besides the rub and the shotgun. Yeah. So Greg Allman did the double barrel shotgun down his face in the courtroom, and Jennifer Jason Lee, she ended up killing him. But I mean, it was just, it's a great fucking flick. It was dude. dark, dude. I remember like on the, in the annals of like, like, like drugstore. Yeah, cowboy stuff, like, but with violence, you know? Like well, but dude, violence. like, he was so, f- he was jonesing so fucking bad, he's crawling around the carpet, crying, and trying to find fucking... They were junkies. Yeah. I mean, they became junkies. And yeah. he had, I mean, and she had, a, I, she said something to him, but she said, haven't you, you've been doing this for too long, you're, she basically starts to kind of engage him saying, you're a junkie, but then she became the same thing well she was a junk she cleaned up fairly quickly and then like helped him out of his whatever i forgot that they killed him it was a good movie jason patrick was a fucking horrible actor like he was good in that movie and he was fine in lost boys but like he disappeared i don't remember seeing him in much well he was in sleepers oh he was in sleepers and he was pretty fucking good in sleepers he did fine in that yeah that was a good movie. God, that was a fucking movie. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Um, yeah, so Rush was one I was going to mention. When we're, when we're talking about drug movies, I don't think you can talk about drug movies without mentioning Scarface. Yeah, every fucking, I, I had that on here. every fucking dildo drug dealer, gangbanger, whatever. They, they yeah, they've they've all got it. Say hello, my little friend. <laughs> but I mean, dude, that is possibly fucking uh, Brian. Uh, what's his name? De Palma. Yeah, Brian De Palma. That may be one of his best movies. It might be the it best was, movie it was his he best did. Movie. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, what? What else? I don't remember anything else that he did. That was. I mean, he he, he did good. a bunch of weird shit. Um, he was big on sci-fi. Um, but Scarface, you know, definitely. So it didn't start off a drug movie. It started off as kind of this. Untouchables was a good movie. Okay. I'll give him, I'll give him a little love for that. But a it's. Different kind of drug. He did Blowout. He did Carlito's Way, which was another one that could he have been Bl- a drug he movie. He did Black Dahlia. I mean, uh, he got, uh. He did some other stupid shit, though. He did the first Mission Impossible movie, Raising Cane. That was kind of goofy. I kind of like that, but I like Lithgow. Casualties of War was goofy. Untouchables was a great fucking film, though. I liked Untouchables. The Fury was the one I was thinking of that was the sci-fi one. Um, But he's done a bunch of stuff. Snake Eyes, that was a horrible fucking movie. Yeah, that was movie. Not, not, not good. I didn't ever see Carlito's Way, dude. I didn't I didn't ever see Bonfire of the Vanities either, to be honest with you. Which is kind of odd. Um, so I guess Blow Out was good. Yeah. Scarface didn't start off as a drug movie. It started off as a... Like an immigration movie. Yeah. I mean, because all of these fucking Cubans were fleeing Cuba, and it turned out some of them were criminals. And, and he was just looking for opportunity. Tony Montana was a criminal. And he had some experience with... Uh, um, Killing people. With uh, uh, chainsaws. 
right? Well, that was, I mean, that's the They pick. used the chainsaw on him. Well, on his friend. He did use famous, the chainsaw. That's a famous scene, though. That was, like, the scene that, like, uh, when I first wanted to watch that movie, that was when I was a little kid, and they're, like, talking about, a guy gets fucking cut up with a chainsaw. Yeah, dude. That was the first Coke deal that they were doing. Uh-huh. And Tony, gets... Tony didn't bring the cash because he knew better, so he left it in the car. Uh-huh. And they fucking handcuffed his friend to the shower, and they're like, you need to bring us the money. And the guy that was supposed to be backing him up was down there trying to get some pussy from girls that were skating on fucking Miami Beach. So his friend got chainsawed. But yeah, I mean, dude, that, I, I love that fucking movie. Um, he directed Carrie, dude. I didn't realize that. Yeah, we don't go on tangents at all about anything. No. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, that, I mean, I, like I showed you, I on my list of the drug trade stuff, I had Scarface down, so... And I have Goodfellas, even though you think that Goodfellas is not a drug movie. I don't have Pulp Fiction down, even though I think that that is probably one of the best drug scenes in the history of the fucking universe, dude. Well, so when you say the drug scene, you're talking about the OD bitch, right? You want me to stab her in the chest three times? Because really, from a directorial point of view, when fucking Travolta shoots up and he's driving home... Mm -hmm. That could be a fucking good drug scene. I mean, because he's seeing... I didn't think with fucking heroin you'd see tracers. Um, You see tracers. But maybe everything slows down. I never did heroin, but I did... um, The first time I ever had MDMA, it was cut with heroin. It was definitely cut with heroin. Like, holy fucking shit, I'd never had anything like that before in my life. And uh, we were sitting at DeCoven Park, me. So... Really, how it all started. This is kind of funny, actually. I, I shouldn't always tell these fucking bad stories from my childhood, but um, my mom was going over to Phil's house that night, and we were sitting in my backyard, and Eric, Eric had gotten gotten it right. So, me and Eric and uh, I think Brady had eaten it. Yeah, it was me and Eric and Brady, and uh, um, my mom had just left, and I had this like disgusting little fucking three chamber plastic purple bong that had like the tubes that went from one chamber to the next chamber and uh there was this big pile of fucking you know de-seated you know mexican weed on the fucking you know brick weed on the fucking table so we're putting it in my fucking big bowl and uh Seamus is over there with us and uh my mom had like literally like 20 minutes left and she must have just had you know her spidey sense was tingling so she fucking came back home and she looks around the corner and Seamus is sitting in the chair in the backyard have the uh, um, the table, you know, and he sees her look around the corner and he goes, oh, fuck. And uh, my mom swore for years that he said, fuck you to her. And I was like, mom, Seamus is like one of the most respectful kids that ever came to our house. He would never say fuck you to a mother or an adult for that matter. You know, his mom died when he was like 15. Like he was just a really respectful kid. So either way, my mom starts going fucking ballistic. And I can already feel we took the the uh, the uh, ecstasy like 20 minutes beforehand. And I'd taken a hit already, you know, smoked a little bit of weed. And I could feel it fucking kicking in already. And my mom starts going Looney Tunes on us. And I said, Mom, I love you. I can't do this right now. I got to get the fuck out of here. So we went, hopped in fucking Brady's car, drove to fucking the Coven Park. 
um, we went into the back and I just laid down. Oh no, it was, it was not Ryan, uh, Brady, it was, uh, Ryan Carpenter. And, uh, that's a different Ryan. Yeah, that's together. a different, yeah, it is, dude. And, uh, I was fucking like, you talk about nodding. Like I fell down on the grass and, uh, Eric and fucking Ryan are just running like past me. And I got this like tracers, dude, like, right. But so a lot of times they cut MDMA with LSD also. This was not LSD. I'm, I, I, I know the difference between. Well, I no, I, I understand that, I but I mean, you've got experience with opiates mm-hmm. or opioids or both, right? Not, not, at, not at 17. No, 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 no. Yeah, I no. understand that. Uh-huh. But now you do. Yeah. Have you ever fucking seen a tracer, no matter how doped up you get? No, but I've had enough people that I've talked to that have done heroin that say that that it gets a little weird and traily like that in moments. Okay. So, I mean, and the way that, so like, the way that trails function, like, like mushroom trails are different than LSD trails, right? Because LSD trails tend to remind me, they're kind of speedy, you know? It's kind of like, I've never seen a trail on mushrooms, but really, you know, so here's, here's the thing. Your story reminded me of another story, uh-huh. drug related, not media related. Uh-huh. So I'm with Sean. The dipshit we were talking about earlier. That's the okay. one. Okay. And Josh, a different dipshit. Also, <laughs> There was a girl named Danny and a girl named Liesel that we were supposed to give a ride to. Love Liesel. So we gave a ride to these girls based on the assumption that they were going to give us some mushrooms. So we go clear the fuck up to Westminster. They give us each quite a few mushrooms. You know, a good handful, palmful. We take them. Leaf, we're driving around for like an hour and a half, and we're like, this is fucking bullshit. Really? We're going back. So we call Danny, go back up, and we're like, fuck you. You gave us these mushrooms for the ride. They didn't do shit. Were they late? They came in a little later. (laughs) That was the night that I ended up going blind. But she, (laughs) she gives me, she gives me another fucking palm full, and everybody else, so we take the other palm full. And we go and drive around some more. And I was like, fuck it, dude. This is bullshit. I said, just fucking take me home. I said, this sucks. Back in the day, Lisa was the person that I would get mushrooms from, dude. So I walk in the door. And this is when we lived on Pennsylvania. Uh Open the door. Look over. And my mom and my uncle are sitting there talking. And it just went... Boom! And the whole fucking living room burst into <laughs> colors and shit, dude. And I was like, oh my god. And I looked at my my mom and my uncle and I was like, I'll be right back. And I ran back into my bedroom and I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck do I do? Because it's just colors. Boom, boom, boom. And no tracers, but just huge fucking boom, boom. I go back outside and Sean's out there and he's like, dude. <laughs> Are you tripping? And I was like, (laughs) fuck, yeah, I need to get the fuck out of here. So we leave. Later on that night, we find Aaron. And, of course, we're smoking weed and fucking drinking beer and shit. And somehow I ended up driving. Have no fucking idea how. Did a hit of fucking weed. 
and I hold it in like I always do, and I'm driving down the road, and I went blind. <laughs> and they said, why did you stop? And I was like, because I can't fucking see. I am totally blind right now. Luckily, that passed after three or four minutes, so I kept driving. But, um, and that is not an endorsement for driving on mushrooms, weed, or booze. Or taking a whole handful of them and being like, <laughs> people that gave this to us, this is bullshit. Sometimes mushrooms, like, I don't know what creep, I've never had weed that was creeper weed. I don't know what that even fucking means. I've had weed. I've heard people weed. talk about creeper yeah, weed. I, I don't know. Yeah. But definitely psychedelics. I've had, like, late arriving psychedelics a couple of times, dude. And sometimes when they hit. But they full hit, on a quarter of a fucking day late, dude. That, that, like That's a little weird. Yeah, but but it happened to both of you. So I mean, that was you know, I mean, for Bill Maher, who always wants to bitch it, uh, anecdotal evidence in that moment, the anecdotal evidence bore out, you know, and 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 maybe we could get you know some of those mushrooms and get another hundred, hundred and fifty people to try them to see if it has the delayed reaction response that Brian and Sean experienced. That was such a good night. I had so much fun. I, the last time I took mushrooms was July 3rd, 1999. No, that's not true. I actually ate mushrooms uh, about three months ago. Yeah, I thought it was fairly recent. I thought, well, because, but no, it wasn't three months ago because it was before you lived here. Um, the, uh, uh, well, the, no, the no, you, here, I thought you told me that you ate mushrooms. That's the only the girl, reason. When the girl who lived yeah. here, yeah, because she'd never had mushrooms before. And I, she's like, will you just eat a little bit just so, like, I have a tether to reality and i was like i haven't eaten mushrooms in fucking 25 years that always makes a lot of sense here i need a tether to reality so get fucked up with me <laughs> well whatever i mean she and and what well, they weren't they weren't the best mushrooms anyway i just couldn't sleep i mean they, they were not they weren't those they weren't the and they certainly weren't giving me any trails i so like the first time i ever ate mushrooms was uh in 94 the dead came to uh mcnichols but we didn't have tickets right but Ryan, because Ryan's an enterprising young man at that time period, he said, let's go down there and see if we can find some good drugs, right? So we got some really good weed. And we got the, the stickiest, nastiest, most disgusting tasting mushrooms I've ever eaten in my life, right? So this is before Margaret and I were dating. And she came over to my house. And Jesse came over. And all these other people came over who were not tripping, and they were fucking with me. And that was the worst fucking, and dude, everything, like trails and colors and rainbows. And it was wonderful. Do you? The, 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 the visuals, but the experience was a fucking nightmare. I can't remember if you were there or not, but do you remember? Because I think you were there. Uh -huh. I know Dan was there. Uh -huh. But Dave Chapel. You got to stop using people's last names, dude. Well, that's the only way I know how to. Say his name. Just say Dave, you know. Crips, buds. <laughs> anyway, Dave and me and I think three other people who I can't remember Robert, who they were. Not Craig or anybody like that. No. Wasn't Chancho. Um, we were fucking tripping balls, dude. And I had like six sweaters on because it was cold and we were going to be like adventuring. So we went that and was the brown ants night, dude. That was the night that we broke into the fucking Littleton Museum. We didn't break into it. 
well, we hopped the fence, and, and I a, fucking got all those cockabers on your fucking flare. Yeah. Well, do you remember that was when? The first time I ever tripped acid. Do you remember when I pulled that fucking cockabur yeah, off, and I was like, was "Do you see that moving. thing? Look alive. at it." There was something alive inside that cockabur. I don't think he's too tripping. That's what everybody says, but I'm not sure if it was like some weird mass trip thing. What the fuck was... lives on the inside of a cockabur? A cockabur bug, you know. <laughs> You remember there was, so, there was the weird vagrant guy. That hold was, on. You were tripping with us that night? Because yeah. I remember going to your house. We, we got it from Mike. Anyway, I... Ah! He was there, too. Yeah, he was. Yeah, we started over... We went... First, we went over behind uh, those apartments, like, in between um, Orchard and the... We wandered over there, and then we came, but we started out, you remember we went to Jack in the Box first, and I was like, when is this going to start affecting me? When is this going to, and then all of a sudden, we're sitting in the fucking, the, 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 the front of Jack in the Box, and we're all fucking laughing our asses off, and the fucking walls are like breathing and shit like that, and I'm like, because I kept being like, when is this going to hit me? When is this going to hit me? And then like, we've been laughing for a half an hour and fucking Jack in the Box, and I was like, oh shit. We better get the fuck out of here, dude. And we left. And that's when we went down behind there and we went over to fucking Kettering. And that was like the beginning of my psychedelic rituals in Littleton, like where I would walk from park to park when I was tripping at night and we'd run from the cops and like just the fucking the good old days that were just where I we were just working it out, you know, trying to figure out what the fuck was going on in the world, you know? Yeah, Mike and uh, Dave was with us that night. Yeah. I didn't remember that he was tripping with us that night. I think Matt Allen was with us that night. I kind of thought Matt was there, but I wasn't positive. Do you remember when we were in Kettering, when we went over by that, the Littleton Museum back in that fucking, like, wooded area? There was a fucking, like, weird-ass homeless guy that was back there watching us. Yeah. That was fucking weird. And dude. we kept saying, is that a security guard? It wasn't. It was a fucking homeless like a homeless guy homeless was dude. living in the fucking bushes that fucking... All right, the Littleton. So I do have another story to tell, maybe. Oh my God, I can't. This is all. You know what? We should announce our um, candidacy for presidency now. But we are at about an hour and fifteen now. We're coming up real close. Um, so I think we're gonna shut this episode down and start a new one. And hopefully, in the new one, we won't just talk about our drug history, but we'll talk about actual media. Or something along well, we those lines. we need to peel into a real discussion. I mean, like some of the stuff. I, no, I think that this is important. And I think that anybody who hasn't tried mushrooms probably should. Anybody who hasn't tried LSD probably should. Because I'm telling you, you're not going to get addicted for people, one. Don't tell people. The addictive thing is bullshit. That's for sure. Like, like abuse can come out of it, but it's it's so uncommon with those. But don't like if you feel it, you feel it. If you don't feel it, no, don't no, no. I'm not yeah. peer pressuring anybody. I'm just saying, like psychedelics have a good social. There's a fucking enlightenment thing that comes forward after all of these things. It has the potential to come forward. Yeah, it's you could end yet. up being some fucked up schizophrenic. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not like a like a like a like a teleology. It's not like an an input output kind of thing. But I I will say that from my experience, and this is what you're suggesting, like it was the best therapy that I ever had. Well, nine times out of ten, you're gonna have a fucking good time. 
I know one time I had a fucking shit time on mushrooms. That's because my sister showed up with fucking her boyfriend. That's and... that's like a that's like a context thing. That was what with with when Marge and Jesse and Jesse was like, he was helping me with fucking yeah. uh, pieces of ice. That's not cool. No, not but every other it. time, like when I was juggling fire, when I was fucking up in the woods, when I was juggling fire, there's a good endorsement. Go take psychedelics and juggle fire. The Rush concert. I'll tell that story at the next episode. All right. Um, uh, 720-334-ROLL. Oh, sure. Debate club at yahoo.com. And that word was club, not club. And this is not, again, we're, we're just talking about experiences. We're throwing out that these experiences have the potential to be good. If you're in a, a lifestyle like Zendaya was in uh, Euphoria, it's probably obvious, and you really need to start thinking about that. But one of the things that we're going to talk about a little bit in the next episode, we have to, I think, just to kind of like foreshadow, not just like get your other story in. Okay, but end is, this motherfucker, dude. I'm going to right now. One, But I'm just giving a foreshadow, okay. right, is that one of the arguments that you make a lot is that you, you're for um, not just decriminalization but legalization. Yes. Like I, I think that if we're going to – make an argument for legalization there are some spaces that we need to fill in with regards to making sure that like uh so like if you legalize things i want it to be over the counter and not some pharmaceutical shit that you know but you a doctor to, has you to write to a prescription a space to where people that have problems like you have to have systems to work. No, I think that that's part of it, because that's part of the regulation. So so we need to talk about the regulatory component a little bit more. That's all I'm saying. Addiction to heroin, you know, brings you one way. Coke, meth. Would bring you another way. Shit like that, yeah. Yeah. We need to, so so I just want to make sure we Support mechanisms are part of the tax structure. Okay, so, but we need to talk about that substantively a little bit more. Peace, motherfuckers. Later.